The Joe Pomp Show is brought to you by U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Hope everyone's having a great weekend so far. We have three things to talk about today. Number one, the new EA Sports college football video game. Electronic Arts released the details of the NIL contracts they're going to be sending to over 11,000 college football players. I'll run you guys through all of the details there, including some context on whether this is a good deal or a bad deal for student athletes today. Number two, we're going to be talking about Amazon's new exclusive streaming-only NFL playoff game for next year. The price came out at $150 million from CNBC this week. I'll talk you guys through all of the details, including how they landed this game over Peacock, who had a similar game this past year. And number three, we're going to be going through Apple's new sports app that they released earlier this week. I'll give you guys an early review of things that I thought about the app so far, what's good, what they're missing, and so forth. And then we'll go into some details and some speculation around what I think they're ultimately going to do with this as part of their grander vision in the sports ecosystem. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. All right, let's start with the new EA Sports college football video game. The details of the NIL contracts that they're going to be sending to over 11,000 college football players got released this week. And here's what we know so far. They're going to be paying every single athlete that's in the game $600 in cash, and they're going to give them a free game. Now, this is for scholarship players only, and it's going to be going to all 134 FBS schools. That totals over 11,000 players in total. And there's been a lot of pushback online already of whether this is a great deal or a terrible deal for the student-athletes. And the unfortunate part about this, given the media landscape that we're in today, is I think we're kind of somewhere in the middle. It's not great for the athletes, and it's not terrible for the athletes. And I'll explain. You've probably seen online over the last day or two, a lot of NFL players have been saying, this is a terrible deal because we get paid $25,000 or $35,000 a year to be in the Madden video game. And the truth is that that's not entirely accurate. NFL players, for those of you that don't know, they get a check at the end of the year from the Players Association, giving them a sum of the money that they were able to earn on their group licensing deals. So the NFLPA will go out and they'll negotiate a set of deals for all of the players combined as part of their union agreement. And that check combines a whole host of things. It's actually more than 40 individual agreements combined into one check. So they call them, and I quote, Madden checks, but it's not just Madden. Madden actually only makes up a small percentage of the overall total. So when the players say that they're getting $25,000 or $35,000, it's not that they're intentionally lying. The the checks are quite literally called Madden checks by even the NFLPA themselves. But it includes a whole host of other things that are not directly related to Madden. So they're being paid far less than they're leading on. And it's quite frankly, very similar to what the agreement is going to be between EA Sports. The truth is that 99% of the players that are going to be in EA Sports have no leverage over the situation whatsoever. We're talking about backup wide receivers at a group five school, backup linemen at an SEC school. Most people don't even know these players' names, and that's not to give them a hard time. It's just the truth, right? So the 1% of players are really taking a reduced cost to be able to get everyone included in this licensing deal. Now, EA Sports could have gone out and said, we're only going to be able to do deals with the upper echelon of players. We're going to pay them a little bit more money, and we're not going to do deals with the remaining, you know, 8,000 or 10,000 players that are at the bottom of rosters or who are not starters or who are at smaller schools outside of the SEC or the Big Ten. Now, obviously, that wouldn't be as good of a game. So EA Sports and college football players are incentivized to find a deal somewhere in the middle. $600 seems fair to me. If you think about what this game uh, will command from a revenue perspective, the numbers are a little wishy-washy because the game hasn't been produced in roughly a decade. But before this game was discontinued, 
it was doing about $80 million in sales annually. Now, Madden, for instance, is significantly more popular. So anyone that tells you that EA Sports is going to do a similar number of sales to Madden is, is misleading you because Madden at the time when EA Sports was, do- when college football was doing around $80 million in sales, Madden was doing over $500 million in sales. And I think they're doing closer to 750 or even a billion dollars in sales. Now, a lot of that is from in-game purchases and other things like that, but Madden is a significantly bigger game. So the total number that they have to work with from an expenses perspective to pay out NFL players is not only bigger, but there's significantly less NFL players too. If you look at the active rosters across the NFL today, there's about 1,700 players compared to, again, the 11,000 players that are going to have to get paid out through this deal with EA Sports. Now, that's not to say that all the players are going to be equal. They're not. Obviously, Shador Sanders or... Quinn Ewers or the starting quarterback at Ohio State or whoever you want to talk about in the SEC. They deserve more money as part of this deal than, again, the backup wide receiver at a group of five school. That's just a matter of fact. But there's a couple things that are going to work out here. Number one, it's unfortunate that they don't have a players association or a union. They should have a players association or a trade association or a union of some sort. They probably would have been able to get a little bit better of a deal because it's then an all or nothing. You're not going to be able to exclude certain players who don't opt into this deal. But more importantly, EA Sports is doing something that potentially could soften the blow a little bit for that 1% of players who do deserve a little bit more money than all of the other players. And what they're going to do is they're going to pay players that promote the video game on social media. You guys saw it a little bit the other day, but they're also going to do paid appearances and they're going to do one-off deals with the Shador Sanders of the world, with the Quinn Ewers of the world, to be able to get them a little bit more cash relative to what they deserve compared to some of the other players. Because at the end of the day, look, this game is going to survive whether 50% of the players opt out or not. Obviously, that's not going to happen. We have some early numbers in that indicate from EA Sports that roughly 50% of the players actually accepted the deal within 12 hours of it being offered to them. Now, I don't care if you're literally handing them $600 in cash to have them sign a form. Getting over 5,000 student athletes in college, in some cases we're talking about teenagers, to sign a form within 12 hours is a feed in and of itself. So not only do I think that most players were happy with the $600, but also I think people underestimate how many people just want to be in this game because quite frankly, it's cool. So that's obviously a big part of this too. And I think if you look at the raw numbers here, even if this game was to sell $150 million in sales or $200 million or $250 million, if we're talking about anything over a thousand or maybe even $2,000 per player, that is not going to be worth it for EA Sports to go out and produce this game. We're not talking about the production of the game, the engineers, the marketing of the game, all the people that they employ to get this game produced. There's a number of other factors that go into this. Obviously, if there was a union or a trade association of some sort, they would have figured out maybe we should be asking for royalties. And that's certainly part of the agreement here. But the rough part is that this is a essentially three to four year deal, if not less for most of these players. They're going to be getting $600 annually to be part of the game through a contract with EA Sports. I think it's more than fair to the vast majority of players across college football. And that's why group licensing deals are so hard. We've never seen anything done at this scale before because you have to be able to go out and negotiate a deal that works for 11,000 people. So while a Quinn Ewers may say, I don't want to be in this game, and that's not the case here. I'm just using him as an example. They'll just put Arch Manning in, right? And he won't be in the game and he won't be able to go play as himself in his own character in the game. So I think this is something that is going to work out over time. I would be surprised if more than you know, a handful of percentage points of people opt out of this game, most players, the overwhelming majority of players are going to opt into the game, not only because they're getting paid to do it, 
but because they're going to be in a video game. There were people responding to me on Twitter last night, essentially saying, I didn't get paid a dime to be in, you know, the March Madness video game or whatever it was. And they would have done it for free and they would do it again for free because it's cool. Now, I'm not saying that players should do something because it's cool. But at the end of the day, we're talking about 11,000 athletes in a singular group licensing deal. And you have to think about the economics of the game. So people are pointing out that EA Sports, Electronic Arts, is a $40 billion company and they produced $8 billion in revenue last year. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You have to think about it in the context of this individual game. And that's ultimately what uh, the, the group licensing deal was done for. And that's why I think, I don't know, 95, 98, 99% of players are going to end up accepting it because it is within their best interest to get the cash that they can at hand today because no one is going to care, again, if the backup wide receiver at a Power 5 school is in the game or not. They'll simply replace him with a generic avatar and the game will keep rolling. They'll keep making money and selling this game for hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars into the future when the revenue starts to accrue multiple years in time. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Winter can be a drag. Thankfully, we have sports to get us through the early part of the year. If you ask me, nothing goes together quite like food and sports, especially this time of year. I mean, we got football on, college and pro hoops, hockey. So let's just say I may be plopped down on my couch until the temperature hits the 80s again. And the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card provides the perfect way to earn rewards. Whether you're watching your team with other super fans at a local eatery, or in the comfort of your own living room. I know me personally, there's nothing better than ordering wings, sitting on my own couch, and watching sports. You can earn four times points when you dine out or have food delivered. I mean, those wings do sound pretty damn good. Plus, earn two times points at grocery stores. Maybe you want to cook the wings yourself. And if you're willing to brave the elements, even getting to the game can be rewarding, as you'll earn two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations. So go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Score big with the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply and live every day your way. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is US Bank National Association. Pursue it to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. The next thing I want to talk about is Amazon buying an exclusive streaming-only NFL playoff game next year. Now, it's no secret, we talked about this at length on the podcast and the newsletter and on Twitter too, that Peacock did this strategy last year. They paid $110 million for an exclusive NFL streaming-only game on Peacock. That was the Chiefs and the Dolphins game, and things went incredibly well. They got 23 million viewers for that. Their app shot up to the number one overall app in the App Store. Their Google search volume hit a level we had never seen before on Google Trends. And more importantly, they got 2.8 million people to sign up for the service. Now, obviously, it's become cool to say that people churned from it, that they were going to unsubscribe immediately after watching the game. And every time I tweeted about it, people said, thanks for the reminder. I'm going to go unsubscribe now. But from what I've heard and many other people have been reporting inside of NBC, the churn numbers were actually much better than they anticipated. So we'll see where that ends up shaking out at the end of the year or their next earnings call. But Amazon now wanted in on the pie after seeing how well things went for Peacock. Now, the interesting part about this to me is that CNBC's Alex Sherman has reported this week that Amazon is paying $150 million for this one game alone. Now, the reason why that's so important is because they're paying 36% higher than Peacock did just a month ago. And Amazon actually had the right to purchase the first ever streaming-only exclusive NFL playoff game last year. 
through their contract that's worth $1 billion annually with the NFL for Thursday night football. Now, Amazon declined the option to purchase that game. Peacock swooped in and bought it for $110 million. And as I just said, everything went so well for Peacock that Amazon came back and said, whoa, no, 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 no. We are not going to make that mistake twice. We'll pay a little bit extra because it went so well for Peacock. $150 million this year. We're going to get our own game next year. Now, I would caution Amazon here and everyone else to lower your expectations when it comes to results, though. Number one, if you think about Amazon, most NFL fans already have Amazon because of their deal with Thursday Night Football. Now, that's not to say that they won't get some additional signups. I think during uh, their first ever Thursday Night Football game, they got more signups during that three-hour period in and around the game than they do ever in company history and that they did for uh, Amazon Prime Day ever before in history. So football is obviously a great wedge to be able to get people to commit to your app and sign up to watch a game. If they can't watch it anywhere else, if it's exclusive, that is an incredible incentive to get people to sign up. But again, most football fans that watch games every single week already have Amazon Prime, not only because of shopping, but because they want to watch football games. They had an exclusive Black Friday game this past year as well. So the sign-up numbers are going to be lower than they were for Peacock. Also, if you think about the viewership number, 23 million was so high because one, there was so much noise around the game going into it, but two, it was an amazing game. It was literally the best option that Peacock could have gotten. It was the Kansas City Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl looking to repeat against the Miami Dolphins who had a great year and have a huge fan base, but also you had the Taylor Swift effect that we've been talking about all year that has led to viewership increases for the AFC Divisional game. It led to viewership records in the AFC Championship game, and it also led to a viewership record in this year's Super Bowl. So they got the hot teams for an exclusive game in the first round of the playoffs. Could have been better for Peacock, and that's another reason why I don't think Amazon is going to see as good an outcome. But it's also why I would say that the NFL and Roger Goodell specifically are the biggest winners out of all these deals. I talk about sports leagues all the time. And one of the things that I always mention is how the NFL does a better job than anyone else monetizing their media rights. Obviously, it helps that they're the most popular show in town. But if you think about their partners, we're talking about broadcast partners, cable partners, and then one streaming partner really in Amazon that has a big package. But at the end of the day, no other sports league has been able to slice and dice their inventory across a number of different partners, all of them bidding against each other and increasing the fees over time. I mean, they're going to get over $110 billion over the next decade for these fees. Even the NBA, they traditionally deal with one, maybe two, maybe three partners. This new upcoming deal might be a little bit wider, but at the end of the day, no one does it like the NFL and they're continuing to do this. And we're going towards a model that feels a little bit more pay-per-view. Now, I don't think we're going to get there with the Super Bowl. The commercials are still extremely lucrative. CBS this past year made over $600 million, close to $700 million in ad revenue alone. They're paying $2 billion the entire year for all of their games, including Sunday afternoon games plus playoff games. So that's a tremendous amount of revenue that they're able to bring back from just one game alone. I don't think the Super Bowl is going to go to pay-per-view anytime soon because of that. But if we're already in the playoffs talking about pay-per-view model where one-off games are going to be sold to individual companies, what makes me not think that they're going to do this with the divisional round or the AFC championship or the NFC championship or something that's going to get 40 million viewers or 50 million viewers like those games did last year? That is going to happen, and these numbers are going to continue to go higher if they continue to perform like they did for Peacock last year. And the craziest about this, part about this is that the number is already really high. If you think about $150 million for this one game, MLS, Major League Soccer, is getting $250 million a year from Apple for all of their inventory. Literally every single game is in their closed ecosystem on Apple TV for $250 million a year. We're going to live in a world where the NFL is able to get that for one playoff game. Absolutely, that is coming in the near future. And it's probably going to come before MLS's deal is up 
with Apple TV over the next decade. This is something that is just a stark reminder of how big the NFL is today. They're able to command more media money than anything ever before because they're the hottest show in town. They were the only sports league outside of college football as well that had representation in the top 100 U.S. broadcast last year. They are by far and away the most popular sports league in the United States. And even when you expand to the total world globally, they're the most profitable sports league by far. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've probably noticed over the last few years that many more of your family and friends are starting to take therapy more seriously. And it's not just you. I've personally noticed this across my family and friends too. And I think the major reason for this is that they've now noticed that therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is proven to help with other things like communication skills, improving mood, increasing self-awareness, and making your relationships stronger. So if you're thinking about starting therapy today, there's no better place than BetterHelp. BetterHelp is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is you go on their website, you fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. They've helped out millions of people with therapy help, and they have 35,000 licensed therapists ready to help you. So visit betterhelp.com pomp to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash pomp. The next thing I want to talk about today is Apple's new sports score schedule app that they released this week. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have been waiting for Apple to release a sports-specific app. Imagine just a little widget in the top corner of your phone where you can quickly see the scores of your favorite team, the schedules for your favorite team, and more importantly, where you can actually watch the game for your favorite team, what network or platform it's going to be on. So I was super excited when Apple released this app earlier this week, but hold your horses because when I went to go find it, I downloaded it, I checked it out for a few minutes, it's not very good. In fact, it's not good at all, and I'm surprised that Apple released it in its current form. To give you guys a few examples, number one, it's only available in the US, UK, and Canada so far. It's also missing a ton of sports. It has no NFL, it has no college football, no PGA Tour, no tennis, no Champions League, no Formula One. It's missing a ton of stuff, I'm telling you. Now, some of this stuff will be added over time. By the time NFL rolls around, I fully expect them to have the NFL on there. But there's a whole host of other problems too. You can't swipe back and forth between different tabs. So the user functionality is a little bit wonky as well, which is something that you wouldn't expect from Apple. There are no individual player profiles. The data also doesn't go back more than a few days so that you can't look historically to see what happened with your favorite teams or your favorite players. And it even took me several minutes to find the app when I went to go look for it, which seems kind of silly considering Apple's app should be able to be found in the Apple App Store. I literally searched sports, couldn't find it. I searched Apple sports, and I had to scroll down for, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 seconds to be able to find it. Not a huge deal, but obviously something that you would think they would think about before releasing this app. Now, that's all not to say that this app isn't going to get better. We're talking about Apple here. Obviously, it's going to get better over the next few months and over the next few years. And when you combine this app with Apple's newly released Vision Pro headset, my expectation is that the world's second most valuable company is actually doubling down on sports and they're reconfirming their commitment to the overall space. Now, it's no secret that Apple has spent the last few years building up its portfolio of sports rights. They signed a $2.5 billion deal with Major League Soccer that's going to pay Major League Soccer $250 million a year for exclusive access to all their games. Apple also signed a deal with Major League Baseball that's worth $85 million annually. That gives them the right to broadcast two MLB games every single Friday night on their platform. And they've also released a pretty extensive list of documentaries too. I mean, we're talking about the new Dynasty series on the New England Patriots, which, side note, is fantastic and everyone should go watch. 
They also recently released two documentaries on Lionel Messi. They have a partnership with Lionel Messi, who is promoting the season pass for MLS on his Instagram to his 500 million followers. But that's also precisely the problem or my problem with what Apple has done so far. Apple has spent the last few years buying up smaller sports, right? It's kind of picking at the corners and doing documentaries. That's essentially table stakes for any major competitive streaming platform at this point. Amazon, Apple, Netflix, they're all really kind of doing the same thing, just in a little bit different of a format. We also have to assume that Apple's MLS season pass isn't going very well. And the reason why I don't think it's going very well is because we haven't heard anything about it, except for the fact that there was a convenient leak last week saying that Apple passed 2 million subscribers on their MLS season pass by the end of last year. Now, there was some data out earlier last year that claimed they had 700,000 season pass subscribers before Lionel Messi got there. Now it's at 2 million. Obviously, that's a huge increase. And it's something that Apple wants you to look at and say, wow, fantastic. This product is growing and it's working, especially with someone like Lionel Messi. But in my experience, when a leak gets filtered through like that, and it only comes through one individual and it's praising the service and talking about how well the service is doing, and it lacks any context, context around viewership numbers, context around usage numbers, or even context that T-Mobile offered its 100 million plus customers free access to MLS season pass. That seems like pretty important things to note when you're talking about subscription numbers for a platform. When you miss all of that context, it typically tells me that things are maybe not going as well as they want you to think. But that's why I've been so disappointed with Apple over the last few years when it comes to their sports rights and their overall game plan in sports. Eddie Q, who runs things over there, has been a sports fan for a very long time, and he's talked at length about accessibility. And at the end of the day, accessibility is one of the things that needs to be solved in sports more than anything else. And if you think about Apple, the way I think about Apple is that they have over 2 billion people worldwide using their devices. We're talking about iPhones, Macs, and everything else they have, iPads and so forth. They can solve the accessibility problem better than anyone else. They're better equipped to do that than literally anyone else. And I'll read you guys a quote here from NBA commissioner Adam Silver. He told this to Kendall Baker, by the way, who also has a fantastic daily morning newsletter at Yahoo Sports. He told this to Kendall Baker last year. He said, the experience that most viewers have is very passive one, with a producer and a director choosing the camera angles and video feeds. What I'm most excited about is the opportunity to reinvent that. People will pick from a menu of unlimited audio feeds and camera angles. There will be a sports betting component, merchandising, enormous amounts of customization and personalization. This is no knock on anything that's happening now because the technology wasn't available. But I think what we'll see over the next five years is a reinvention of how we deliver sports. And I read you this quote because this is precisely where Apple can leave its mark. They've already baked in the betting odds component into this new app, although via DraftKings, you can't actually go and place a bet and you can turn off the odds via your settings if you really want to. I think they will eventually add the functionality where you're able to place a bet directly, if not in-game, before games and so forth, right on the application there. Apple also has the technology to in place to drive people to go watch the games where they're being hosted. And that's outside of Apple TV specifically, right? So it doesn't really make much sense if you can only use that functionality to go watch an MLS game through the Apple app. No, they have to be able to transport you to the ESPN app. They have to transport you to go watch a game on Fox or CBS or somewhere else, even Amazon, a competitor like that. That's going to be huge functionality there. And it's going to help with the accessibility problem that we've seen across sports. And the other thing to remember here is that sports is the world's number one most in-demand genre from a content perspective. Apple knows this better than anyone. And I would caution you because they did not spend 10 years developing the Apple Vision Pro headset for you only to be able to watch Major League Soccer games. No, I think they're going to invest more in live rights over the next few years. And more importantly, I think they're going to build out the integration between their software components 
and their hardware components, which again, have 2 billion people worldwide that are using their products. Apple is better positioned than anyone to solve this problem in sports today. So don't laugh at version one of this product. It's going to get better over time. Eddie Q at Apple has been one of the biggest proponents of fixing the accessibility problem in sports. And my guess is that this sports app, combined with everything they're doing on the technology side, is part of a much bigger plan to make sports more accessible than ever before for billions of consumers worldwide. That's it for today, though, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do me a favor. If you did enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe to the feed on Apple or Spotify or Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. And also leave me a five-star review. Tell me what you're enjoying so far and what I could be doing better or things that you even want to hear me talk about more on the podcast. Other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend and we'll talk early next week.